Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Shop Notes podcast. It's Phil, John, and Logan today on episode number 178. We're going to go through some reader questions and uh, responses from last episode. We're also going to be talking about stockpiling, just as we're about to talk about getting rid of stuff. So it's the yin and the yang of woodworking and shop supplies. So I hope you enjoy today's episode episode today is brought to you by Woodline USA. You know them for their reputation for providing you with professional and affordable carbide router bits and shaper cutters. But today, Woodline USA is much more than that. Whether you need blades for a planer, jointer, table saw, bandsaw, or whatever, they have the right choice for the application and material that you're working with. They can also carry many woodworking jigs and accessories to make your time in the shop more efficient. For more information or a free catalog, visit woodline.com. There's a Woodline Dado cleanout bit in that router right now. Yeah, Dado cleanout bit is something that I think gets referenced in Woodsmith almost every issue. Mm -hmm. Yep. I hate a cluttered Dado. Yeah. Yeah. You clean them out. Clean it out, man. Yeah. It's like a spice cabinet. You just got to get them cleaned out. Throw the stuff away that expired seven years ago. Right. And you right. bought it for one recipe. Yeah. All right. Last week, we talked about uh, Logan's saw till and also some cleaning supplies. So I want to read a couple of comments here. Mark Katz writes, maybe store the back saws alternating handle up, handle down to count on cut down on the overall width. You can set the height so that the blade ends don't reach the handles of the adjacent saw. It's an interesting mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've got a key smash user here that says, I trust what Logan says much more when he has a beard. Longer right. shows, mm-hmm. please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then in yeah. the same episode, somebody said, I like the shorter show. Perfect length. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll get to that. So Can't please everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan McGregor says, as someone who owns 32 inches of combined jointer capacity, I think it's safe to say Logan is a jointer enthusiast. Logan, what do you think of the parallelogram style jointers compared to those with dovetailed ways? Mm, the parallelogram's a pain in the ass. And I say that because I thought, <laughs> it, I, thought I had it dialed in and then I jointed these two boards behind me for the saw till and there's a there's a pretty good gap in the center so i did not get it dialed in so i like dovetail ways better that's what the uh big jointer has yeah yeah it feels like everybody who has parallelogram jointer beds talks about how awesome they are but then they also have like 45 dollars in brass shims stock in different places <laughs> yep so I'm not sure what the what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. Boy nine GGZ says, "Don't forget flush cut saws, hack saws, sheetrock saws, etc." I think every woodworker has a few <laughs> non woodworking saws that need a home too. Yeah, so. you need a saw till just for your sheetrock saws, right? <laughs> I have a couple of you- sheetrock saws that have like a little notch in them where they may have hit a live wire. <laughs> At some point, and it is. I have, I have wire cutters like it. that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Maybe that's how the nib got there on saws All to begin right. with. It's where they. 
Yeah. Just saying, you know, maybe. Uh, then Chuck Abel says, so although Logan knows the better way to hang saws, he's going to go with the better looking version for us subscribers. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Wait, does he know the customer? <laughs> <laughs> and yes. Welcome. Yeah. You need a sawtail with um, the roll top. Tambrador roll top. Tambrador. Tambrador. Like your Bingo. chisel case. Tambrador yeah. sawtail. Lost it okay. there for a second, but. Yep. You found it. It was yep. Yep. all mattered. And Becky did. You still have the tambour door tool cabinet somewhere, right? I do. It's downstairs. It was on the okay. wall. It's now off the wall All because right. like a big dummy, I hung the heaviest thing on my wall, which is the tambour door tool cabinet right in front of my panel down there. So like when I needed to reset a breaker, <laughs> like Great how do you idea. take a 200 pound cabinet off the wall? You take all the tools out of it, take it off. Hope you don't drop any of your very expensive tools. Or drop the cabinet on top of your tools. So I do have that still, yes. Bend at the knees. Yeah. That's how you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Surprisingly, no comments about anybody's like secret cleaning or go to degreaser machine tool restoring kind of chemical. Hmm. Everybody wants to keep it to themselves. Yeah. Want to share the secrets. secrets. Yeah. Otherwise, the prices go up. Mm hmm. So before we get to our agenda today, are we going to talk yeah. about the fine woodworking shaped elephant in the room? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask you. Sure, friend. we can talk about that. You want to? You want to? Well, give the summation. I mean, okay, so the summation is that um, we, as Active Interest Media, the the owner, not of- us. Well, not us. Yeah, we did not. We're just a step. We're just a stepchild too. Yeah, yeah. But we're all adopted. The the company that owns Woodsmith Popular Woodworking Shop Notes, uh, as of last week, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, they kept saying last week, but it was two weeks ago. We officially closed on a deal to purchase Taunton um, Press, who publishes fine woodworking and fine home building and fine gardening um, and threads. Is there any others I'm missing? I don't think I'm missing any others, am I? Anyways. Green Building Advisor. Green Building Advisor, thank you. Uh, So now, not only do we have Woodsmith, Shop Notes, Popwood, we also have Fine Woodworking, which I think Phil and I are probably more excited than anybody. Mm -hmm. Because now you can openly fanboy. You don't have to hide it. It's just all out in the open. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean yeah. we're still like the cool ones, but right. yeah. they're like the they're like the arty yeah. artsy fartsy. We went to Harvard and we're like yeah. the frat house. We're the legacy titles because we were yeah. here first. Yep. That's right. So, yep. mm-hmm. it is kind of funny because both Logan and I have had our books written by. Um, Fine Woodworking's chief creative director and editor mike pekovich signed by mike so here's mm-hmm. my foundations of woodworking yeah that's a first notice, edition signed copy notice it sits on his desk yeah he 
He he he pats the spine every day. Um, Only because yeah. there's not a book rack in the bathroom. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so that was fun. That was cool. I mean, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, what does that mean?" Well, it doesn't really mean anything. It's like it's business as usual. I mean, I think yeah. all of our woodworking titles. We also have. I mean, we have Woodsmith Pop Wood, Woods uh, Fine Woodworking Shop Notes. We also have a business to business title called Woodshop News that's kind of like caters to like the small to medium size um, cabinet shops. Right. Uh, they, I mean, they all cater to, to a different customer for the most part. Like, there is some overlap. There are people that have one, two, all three, or two or three of them. Um, but for the most part, we all kind of cater and position ourselves a little bit differently in the marketplace, which is is cool. So it's just kind of business as usual. Mm. It just means yeah. that we get to leverage them and not pay them, which is awesome. <laughs> so it's just like what, like us then. Yeah. yeah. Right. Leverage each other. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say in the short term, business as usual. But yeah, like you said, we get to share resources down the road yeah. and we'll see probably our names and their names and different titles and yeah. you know writing and for i each mean other it's and... yeah it's it from a business standpoint it makes a lot of sense because it makes us a much larger company by doing it so there yeah. wasn't some like you know hidden agenda to all of a sudden buy woodworking titles and dissolve them all so mm -hmm. that right. there's only one that i mean that's not the case it's taking you know a small to medium-sized company making it a medium to large-sized company um right. which makes the entire company as a whole a little bit healthier which is mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty cool so yeah yeah plus i think we all have all the titles have different subscriber bases a little bit different i'd say yeah it's i mean we're all woodworking but it's a little bit different yeah. styles and flavors so yeah there's probably people out there you know if with if this is a venn diagram there's some overlap mm -hmm. in all three areas but I don't see it being, that's not a huge part of any of our readership. And I think there's a, you know, one thing that you and I, Logan, have been trying to do with our titles is to kind of expand the tent of woodworking a little bit. Yeah. Um, and having fine woodworking does that in a whole different way. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think we've, you know, we all know this, you know, Woodsmith's always kind of been that plans magazine pop wood. I kind of get to explore some other aspects of woodworking, you know, Phil's been asking me to do an intarsia piece. And I just don't want to <laughs> give him the satisfaction of it. Uh, but then like fine woodworking is at a different level altogether as far as like, you know, the aspirational hoity toity type woodwork, not in a bad way, but like in the, you know, true master woodworker sense mm -hmm. sure so yeah. plus i think with all like now all of our woodworking allies at any moment we can light our watchtowers and march on wooden magazine <laughs> that's and... true <laughs> that's really been the big thing yeah. is being able to have that yeah, yeah. building a woodworking the, arsenal yeah. Yeah. The yeah. beacons of Connecticut are lit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Des Moines will answer the yeah. call. <laughs> oh, oh it makes me so happy. Because there's been people who have asked me, uh, people who used to work here, uh, you know, like, what are you going to do with another woodworking title? And in response to that, I feel like, have you never played Risk? Like, yeah. the whole point is to get more. Get it's everybody. Like, yeah. 
Just because you have Kamchatka yeah. doesn't mean <laughs> that you don't want other provinces. So, yeah, it's your jumping off point. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and to be fair, we—I mean—we've known the guys at Final Working for quite a while. Yeah. You know, at, at least most of them. Um, so now it's like, hey, I have to make fun of them in a nicer way now. Yeah. <laughs> More of like a sibling rivalry rather yeah, than right. like a crosstown high school rivalry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. I'm, cool. I'm assuming most of our most of our listeners would not have heard of that for quite a while. So. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's. It. Yeah. It's kind of one of those nerdy business things that happens, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a real seamless transition for a lot of people. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. All right. So last week, one of my main topics was to discuss um, cleaning agents, secret cleaning agents or secret agents mm-hmm. for cleaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a follow-up before we transition to the new one is, Logan, you've done classes, seminars, presentations on restoring hand tools. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I would, it's, there's overlap and not overlap of what if, when you're working on, say, your jointer, the big Powermatic planer, that crescent bandsaw, mm-hmm. you know, what are, what's like a toolkit that you would have for doing some of that kind of stuff that would differ from like a hand tool restoration? Um, the biggest thing is there's a lot of grease so i'd have rubber gloves and a degreaser so generally i don't use a a true like degreaser yeah um so there's that um i also have lead testing strips okay so just to if i mean if the paint's lead like yeah you should probably be wearing a mask anyways but if it's lead you, you put a mask on right yeah um the the biggest thing that's different now none of none of my stuff has babbit bearings so sure. i don't have any of that babbit bearing crap um you know they have they make like damming agent where you can like you know it's like a putty that you you dam up a, a babbit bearing before you pour it i don't have any of that type of stuff um mine are all oiled ball bearings so they all have oil cups on them but they're their bearings um the biggest tool that's different or the biggest thing that's different that I really like to use is um, I have a surfacing tool. Okay. It's a Harbor Freight one. So it's the Bauer brand and think of it like it kind of, it's a horizontal drum sander, but like, okay. Think of an angle grinder, but instead of having a disc, it has a drum that spins. Okay. And it came with, I, they sell it as a surfacing tool. I think they sell it technically as like an auto body surfacing tool. I think that's the intent behind it. Because um, it comes with a 120, 180, 220, and a stripping drum. And it is fantastic for cleaning off surfaces. Like the, the okay. beds of my joiner or the bed on the, uh, the table on this bandsaw. Like it's phenomenal. And I was trying to be like gentle, like, oh, I'm going to use the 220. It's going to be nice and gentle and put the stripping disc on it. And 
that SOB gets cleaned real fast. And it's not aggressive enough, I think, that it would. I don't believe that it would, like, make the surface not flat or not flat enough for woodworking. I mean, I think you'd yeah. really have to lay into it for that. Sure. So, so is those, it kind of like yeah. a, almost like a power planer? Yeah, except kind with of. A, with an abrasive drum instead of yeah. blades or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's pretty awesome. So, All right. um, it was one of those things, like, I bought it for... What did I buy it for? I bought it to do one of these tools. It was either the bandsaw or the joiner. Um, and I've ended up using it like on everything because it cleans everything. Um, so like that Koenig lathe, I did all the beds with that. I did that Delta joiner I have. I did the Powermatic bed. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff with it. Um, and it's it's pretty awesome. Did my surface plate. I have an 18 by 18 surface plate that oh, yeah. I have in here. Um, sure. I did that because it started to rust in my garage. Um so those are really the, the big things. I mean, the other thing that I have is it's, I don't, I don't want to dig it out, but it's a little like cup spray gun, but it's airbrush style. Oh. So, so it has a bigger cup on it than a, than an airbrush. Um, so you could actually like spray a, a fairly large piece of equipment with it um, for like touching up paint. Sure. Um, and I wouldn't use that like on hand tool stuff. Um, you know, so, so that's the biggest difference is there's, there's definitely more aggressive stuff. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things, having done some work on my drill press is on vintage tools and my drill press isn't even that old. It's like mid to late sixties or something like that. Uh, is how many wackadoo thread pitches there mm -hmm. are because yep. like for example the the depth stop column on my delta drill press is a half inch by 13 which it's not coarse it's not fine mm -hmm. you know so it's not like you can just go to ace hardware and mm -hmm. find a, a tap or you know a thread mm -hmm. nut or whatever to make new things for it you're just kind of hosed unless you, you know, get something from like McMaster car, thankfully had it. But yeah. again, that's one of those things where you're waiting a few days for stuff to happen. So is, was your drill press made in the USA? Yes, it was. It was. Okay. I'm trying to remember if that was, a. I feel like that was one of the Pennsylvania ones. Okay. Because uh, the only reason I, I ask is because there are, the vintage stuff I have machinery wise, except for the, the Koenigs, that's German. Um, everything that's been made in the U S has been really standard sizes. Oh, it has. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like this, um, this Crescent bandsaw, everything's quarter 20 on it. Everything. Hmm. The, even the, um, so the, the beds on the big Towsley joiner have, um, like these clamp brackets. Think of like a hold down. We'd use like on the drill press or something. Um, and there is a, carriage bolt that goes up through that thing about this it goes up through that but they also attach to the bed so basically those those two beds can slide back and forth on the base of the joiner and four of these clamps hold it down and it has these giant carriage bolts um and those giant carriage bolts they're like a 3816 or something like that. like they're a standard thread and they have these huge cast iron um threaded knobs on them 
Um, even, I mean, even the stuff on that, it's all standard stuff. Crazy. Which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because then you get into like some hand tools. Yeah. You know, and some of the threading on like, you know, like the, um, cap iron screw on Stanley's are yep. weirdo weird things. Size. And yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why that is like, that's yeah. odd. Yeah. But on, on that note, uh, Lee Nielsen, this is just more of an FOI for everybody listening. If they're interested, Lee Nielsen five days ago released a video on making their planes. So it shows the entire process of making one of their low angle jacks. It's super interesting. Okay. So there's no, no talking during it. So it's like tool making ASMR, but <laughs> you know, it's pretty awesome. All right. Okay. So last week at the end of the show, we talked about maybe starting the new year off with a clean out because what you don't see is on the other side of my computer is our video studio, which <laughs> has accumulated some stuff mm-hmm. as we've gone on through the year in video props and just general debris. So we thought about uh, cleaning up stuff. We also have a little a little countertop and some cabinets over here that that is our shame, really. Mm-hmm. It's a place that never really stays organized for more than... I don't know, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking of bringing back John's idea that he had found somewhere about getting rid of a number of items, depending on what day of the month it is. So as a way to get things cleaned up. However, the flip side of that is that I feel like there are certain woodworkers or every woodworker has something or a category of some things that they stockpile. So I'd like to start off by asking you guys, like what's something that you <coughs> kind of stockpile that you have a, that you keep a certain amount of supply on hand for the work that you do. Uh, toilet paper. I, okay. That's exactly where I was going. It's <laughs> exactly where I wanted that to go. Yeah. Yep. It's like having grandparents that lived through the depression and they like keep stuff around. It's like when we get older, it's like, why is grandma and grandpa have so much toilet paper? Well, they lived yeah. through the pandemic shortage of 2020. So they <laughs> feel like they need to have a lot of toilet paper, toilet paper and canisters and canisters of, uh, disinfecting wipes yeah yeah um i say somehow i've ended up with a lot of sandpaper that like Hmm. it's like that's something that i just keep around because like i'm gonna use it eventually it's not gonna go bad right Mm -hmm. and it's expensive so gotta gotta hang on to it yeah i think the worst thing about that is with sandpaper is like when we're like here in the shop we take off like of the the random orbit of sand, just take off a pad and you just set it down and you just leave it there because like maybe somebody's gonna use use it again. Yeah, it's perfectly well, good. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much like all the like tools, like drill bits and stuff. It's like I'll just throw this used drill bit or whatever that's in a drawer and come See, back the, to it later. I feel like we do that with blades, saw mm-hmm. blades. Dude, how many blades we have floating around? Yeah. That, yeah, like Phil was talking on that back bench. We have like a whole. There's probably stack 15 of blades them. back there. Yeah. 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 And that are all either shot or need cleaned or mm-hmm. not 
recycled. Some of them are, just, yeah. yeah. Sometimes just so yeah. So that's probably some of the stuff we need to go through is the bits and the blades and that stuff. And because I think we did that with our drivers a while ago, where it's like we're gonna throw all these away and we're gonna start over. Yeah. And then just it's a cycle. Which has helped because it's been it's been nice being able to find and know that the driver bits are gonna work rather than being like is this the number two Phillips that's totally rounded off and doesn't work mm -hmm. anymore? Or is it this one? And the answer mm -hmm. is both. So yeah. Episode today is brought to you by Woodline USA. You know them for their reputation for providing you with professional and affordable carbide router bits and shaper cutters. But today Woodline USA is much more than that. Whether you need blades for a planer, jointer, table saw, bandsaw, or whatever, they have the right choice for the application and material that you're working with. They can also carry many woodworking jigs and accessories to make your time in the shop more efficient. For more information or a free catalog, visit woodline.com. Clearly, everybody needs to watch my video that's going to be released soon on why you only need a square drive bit. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so are we talking like supplies or are we talking like tools? Uh, I was thinking supplies, but okay. Danish oil, 100%. Okay. Um, and the reason is that it's kind of my go-to finish for most things. Um, I have finished all the woodwork in here. Well, the woodwork that's finished in here is all Danish oil. So I bought four gallons of it over the last eight months, probably. Okay. Um, and you can order it in two gallon cases from Lowe's Home Depot. One of the two, one of the two is way cheaper. Uh, and I, so, and I also have like several quarts of it. I think there's actually a quart sitting on my desk behind Phil. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, I just, I use it all the time and right. it's one of those things that I will use it on some of my hand tools just to freshen up a finish. Like, um, actually, the Dave Jeske saw I have, that joinery saw, before I took photos of it for the last magazine issue, I'm like, yeah, she's looking a little dull. So I just rubbed some dash oil on it. So, okay. Yeah. I think um, beeswax is another one I keep quite a bit of around. Quite a bit of it around. So, okay. Yeah. That's fair. I would say for me, it's uh, always knowing that I have a certain assortment of fasteners in in supply you know kind of uh i have a hardware cart that has a little bin for you know, like my number eight one and a quarters you know so it's nice to know that you have a good 50 75 200 of those for whatever mm -hmm. i i do enough stuff with pocket screws that i usually keep a good supply of those and then I have a, a couple of little compartments where I sort of hoard uh, small, short, flathead wood screws. The stuff that you use for installing hardware and things like that, where you just, they don't necessarily all have to be the same length, but they all have to be less than three, three quarter of an inch or less, you know, so that when you put something in, it's not going to poke through the other side and because invariably one of the screws that you get with or two that you get with some hinge you're about to put in and the, either the 
head strips out or snaps off altogether or something like that. So I will say I do I do also have that that drawer. But mine's not necessarily like that type of hardware. It's like the hardware that came with stuff that I didn't use. Oh, mm-hmm. so like uh, I have a small tool cabinet downstairs that needs to actually needs to come in here. Um, like a little, it's just it's like a mechanics tool cabinet, like a little Stanley rolling one, and it didn't fit under. I did that uh, vice stand on video, one that yeah. Andrew put his thumbprint on the wet paint. <laughs> Never gonna let that mm-hmm. die. But anyways, I connected the two with the counter, and it wouldn't fit under the counter with the casters that came with it. Okay. So it's like I just found those casters the other day when I was moving stuff. It's like it's like that type of stuff, or I don't know, catches for something that I never installed for some reason or another. It's like oh, I'm gonna throw them in the drawer in case I need catches for something. Or yeah, I've ne- I've never opened that drawer to actually fish a part out of it. <laughs> I do kind of collect some oddball hardware too. If you find unique knobs or pulls or something like that. Casters is a good one because sometimes you'll have a project and need to send it off to its reward or something like that. And you keep the casters off of it or yeah. Yeah. That's true. I can see that. So I'd like to know what the folk out there keep. Do you have a, do you try and keep your shop as like a rolling or stationary hardware store where you don't have to go looking for something, you know that it's there. And then you, it's just a matter of finding it in your shops, whether it's in the coffee cans or separate little hardware bins or something like that. Or, you know, what is it that turning blanks, maybe it's turning blanks, old tool parts. Is it time to throw away the whole drawer of unlabeled Allen wrenches, that kind of thing. I do have a couple of like tackle box trays, like the Plano ones full of like hardware from hand tools that for some reason or another are just like donor parts, you know, Mm -hmm. like a casting's cracked or something or, um, I, I sent you guys, I was, I was moving a shelf yesterday because I was trying to clean up in here to take, start taking photos today. And my shelf I was moving was from our storage room in the basement, like our utility room. And the shelf is where all my like two restore tools have been. Okay. Um, like it's like my, the home where tools go in the, you know, interim between getting purchased and getting shipped out to a new owner. And I discovered I had an entire stash of hand saws on top, the top shelf. Um, and at some point, I guess I'd taken handles off most of them because there was a lot of blades, a lot of handles, and there was no saw nuts. But then I found one of those Plano <laughs> trays with all the saw nuts in it. It's like, oh, okay. Stupid man. Why do you do that? <laughs> so what's the plan for those saws? Are they? Those are probably all like. Because it looked <sighs> like they were neglected for a while. They're, they're as I bought them. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's what and, I mean. It's like that they're just, they were bargain have, bin. Yeah. Well, some of them have stickers on them that I think, so several years ago, I bought a big lot of planes from an auction, like in Swisher or Cedar Rapids area somewhere over there. I went and picked them up. Okay. That was kind of my, my first real big purchase of planes. Um, and 
there was stickers on some of these saws, so I must have got some of the saws from that. Um, and they're not necessarily what I call like desirable saws. Like some of them are like Atkins brand saws um, that have like an embossed handle. Um, none of them are are new or you know recent vintage. A lot of their older saws, but yeah, a, a lot of them have been. Do you have any they, uh, like tool this. shop brand saws in there? No, no, there's no tool <laughs> shop brand ones. Okay. Um, there are. I did. I did find this yesterday. There are two meat saws in there, Ooh. which is actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know if I can buy a like if I could find a blade that would fit them. I think I can. LEM, who makes like meat processing equipment. They sell a bunch of blades, and I think I might be able to like rig one up to to work. Okay, so, yeah. But there you go. So I need to, I need to basically include a hook for my meat saw in my <laughs> saw tail. Is basically what our there you go reader or listener said last time. Yep. <laughs> I mean, his question probably tongue in cheek, but brought up a point that I thought is that it's interesting how woodworkers will classify certain tools as being worthy of a special home or shrine or altar or whatever. And other tools are just kind of like, here's a ratty cardboard box. <laughs> I see no problem with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to earn I your mean... spot. <laughs> I mean, okay, so there are, yeah, I, hmm. you know what yes, I mean? Yes, I, I know, I, I know exactly what you mean. But my my issue with that is not necess not necessarily like, yeah, there are nice tools that I have that I want to live in a nice home, right? But to me, it's more of like, where is it getting used? Like, I'm not going to hang my meat saw in my saw till because not because it's not worthy, it's because I don't use it in here, right? Yeah, I use it in the garage when I'm butchering a deer, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's that type of thing. There are, I think, instances where it's like there are so many accessories that go with a tool that you do need a home for that tool and all of its accessories. Like sure. you know, this Stanley Fifty Five was is a, the the combo plane has a bunch of accessories. They came in a wooden box for a reason. Yeah. Um. So that's where you keep all your stuff. Um. There are. I have a couple of small like nicer Dremel type tools like a Fordham okay. where I have multiple heads for them. So it's like all those different heads came in their own individual box, individual box, but I don't have a good, like I need like a sustainer type system to put all those in. So like that pack unit is the home for all that specific tool. So, right. I don't want to buy sustainers though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, like there's that tool cabinet behind you that uh, I think Chris Schwarz had designed for Woodworking Magazine and we did on the TV show uh, or some of our fine tool cabinets that we've mm -hmm. shown or the ones that you see that usually makes the cover of the tools and shops issue from fine woodworking or something like that. And it's these big fold out doors or whatever. And there is nary a power tool to be seen in there, even though the people who use those tools or use that shop employ power tools to a certain, you know, to a large extent in the work that they do. Is, is that because 
mo- those type of people, and I, I'm grouped myself with those people. So with those I, I people, to be bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm grouped myself with those people. See hand tools as kind of pieces of art, and power tools are not. Like maybe t- to me, like power tools are mass produced in some factory somewhere. Yeah, people don't really care about. I don't want to say people don't care about the quality of them, but like the people making them, they're there to cash a paycheck where, you know, going back to that Lee Nielsen video I saw about earlier, a lot of those employees have been there for 35, 40 years, you know? So it's like, they care about what they're doing. So to me, that's a little bit nicer tool. Somebody that cares about it, made it, um, especially some of, you know, my, my kind of custom made tools. Sure. So that's how I view it. I don't know. Okay. I mean, just it's it's more of a question and it's just an interesting yeah. observation that you know, nobody has a big fold out wall cabinet and you see like their track saw in there. Or not yet. <laughs> or a biscuit joiner or something like that. Quarter cable you know? six ninety. Yes. Yeah. The right. shrine of six nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean the pop wood had a article was it bob lang or glenn huey did a router cabinet that was a nice looking one i, mean, that, I think it was glenn huey yeah yeah that had a you know place for a router and a plunge base and you know that was well designed yeah. more of a furniture looking piece than than just yeah. a utilitarian plywood box which we've done too and i think mm-hmm. that creates a nice home for it but you don't see like finger jointed yeah. mahogany. It's not the centerpiece of the shop. Right. Yeah. Although now I kind of would like to do like a big cabinet for like some of those magnesium body tools, like, or the, the <laughs> you know, sixties polished <laughs> aluminum ones, like just restore them, make them really, really nice. And they sit in there and you open it up and it's just so bright. You can't even look at it. Ooh. Right. Yeah. That'd be awesome. You get them out and just rev them up. So the whole neighborhood. Yeah, that's came right. <laughs> yeah, yep. You don't take them out when it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody out there who has built a nice storage system for their power tools, I'd love to see that. So send us photos of that. Woodsmith at woodsmith.com. I'll we'll put them up on the site on the show notes page. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now as you're filling out your shop and doing kind of a slow migration from the indoor shop to this place, have your expectations changed on what you'll be able to put in your new shop in terms um, of either storage or outfitting it? So I think the bigger thing that's happened is I'm starting to give less craps about it looking really good in photos and I than I am about it just functioning how I want it to function. Sure. Because I had in my mind that like, oh yeah, I'm not going to fill it up with tools because I want it to be nice and clean for photos and stuff like that. And I think I'm at the point where I just don't care. <laughs> Somebody doesn't <laughs> like how many tools are in it. <laughs> Sorry, you go subscribe to Final Drinking instead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, because that that was kind of my my plan was to like keep it nice and clean, have a 
not a bare number of tools, but like stuff set up with, you know, that's the lathe corner. This is the table's saw corner. That's the, you know, whatever router table, whatever. Um, and I still have some of that and it's still set up like that. But yeah, what I'm, what I'm discovering is as much as I like, um, and Becky would laugh at me because she knows I'm like this. Um, I like very like bare, like, I don't like clutter. I don't like clutter. Now, if I'm not going to spin my camera around, cause you guys would all call me liars, <laughs> but there's a lot of crap in here right now, but there's I, clutter, I don't. but you don't like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but it's like, I kind of want, like, I need, I need this, this kind of falls back into what we were just talking about. Like I need space to put like all my router stuff or I need, I need somewhere to put the track saw track and the track saw. And it's that right. type of stuff where it's like, those are, like I almost want to store them out in my cold storage and then bring them in when I need them, but I don't want to really do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it. What what it has changed is me underestimating how much storage room I do need. Okay. Um, because you know I have that um, one wall workshop in here that that Woodsmith built several years ago um, that has cabinets and drawers and stuff. The drawers have all my hardware. The uppers have some finishes, um, stuff like that. The lowers are just kind of a catch-all for crap right now. Um, that's good cabinet storage, and I have two carts in here. Well, I have the the Kennedy cart um, right. that John designed, and then I have um, a oak tool cabinet from I think Shop Notes, um, mm -hmm. and those have my turning stuff in them. But it's like I don't have I don't have cabinets for all my other stuff that I need to store, like. Um, you know, just I mean, just sitting here, I have my, my belt sanders in here. I don't have a home for the belt sander. I don't have a home for my circular saw, which is strung out on the floor on the other side of the wall. Um, so it's that type of stuff. It's like, okay, I didn't really... That stuff was all stored on a slat wall in the basement shop. Like, it was all up on the wall on slats and stuff. And that worked fine. I just don't want to see that in photos, so I'm not going to put that in here. But what I would rather do, I think, in, in my plan is... Um, after I finish, I think after I finish this um, saw till the next project going to be a Meyer saw station. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm going to do cabinet bases on that. So instead of doing cabinet bases with drawers for hardware, I think I might do a couple drawers, but most of the storage underneath are going to be large pullouts, uh, kind of like pot and pan pullouts in a kitchen, but it's going to be for, it's going to be for tools. It's going to be yeah. for the, the, you know, the, uh, belt sander and its belts. It's going to be for the, the the hand planer and its, you know, cord wrap and stuff. John, you got a storage unit from one of our auctions here. Has that changed or worked out for you in your in your shop for the things that you need to store or organize? Uh, you mean the long cabinet from the carriage yeah, house? Yeah, from the carriage house, yeah. Um, that has become kind of the hide all like it's got all the sliding <laughs> doors on it. So it's just like shoving stuff in there. So most of it, yeah, is for, uh, it's a good place to put, um, like a lot of the, um, you know, handheld power tools, those boxes. Um, one of the cubbies is just like, uh, skates and roller blades, mm -hmm. okay. uh, sidewalk chalk bubbles, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's reserved yep. for that. But yeah, it's because uh, a lot of my storage is like very visual, like pegboard, uh, open shelving where I keep a lot of stuff that I use. But that's a good place to like, you know, 
keep all of that stuff worthy and hide it away and makes me itchy thinking about that yeah yeah which is why i asked because i know it, it just feels like you guys have very different working styles on what's you know john is a have it out have it ready for access kind of he's a person a, he's a practical type person mm-hmm. and i am not yeah mm-hmm. which is funny because in a sense and in different ways both of you are like if it's out of sight it pretty much doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. However, oh, yeah. f- for Logan, it's if it's in your shop, you know it's there and you can yes. get to it, even if it's in a drawer or behind cabinet doors. You know, whereas if it's still in your old shop or in your cold storage section, it might as well be in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for uh-huh. John, if it's not hanging up on a wall or on a tool rack or something right. like that, you know, then then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm probably in the middle somewhere. I like the idea of having everything enclosed and I like the idea of tool racks, but I just end up devolving into a little bit of chaos that I don't like about myself so that I know that we all share responsibility for this video studio, but it feels like this is my brain out loud <laughs> in here. <laughs> Yeah, I can mm. see that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think part of my problem with having stuff out, and I've noticed it more in the shop, and I've noticed it more because I don't have a permanent dust collection set up in here yet. Stuff gets so dang dusty in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, I've noticed that, and I think that's that's one of my bigger reasons why I don't like stuff out. You know, having I, I took the little um, table saw cabinet we had in the studio. The, the hanging one that had the blades on the outside, it opens up, there's blade holder on the inside and stuff. Yeah. So right now I have it hung, hanging up next to the table saw and there's wrenches hanging from it. There's a couple blades in the door. That's like a stretch for me as far as having stuff out like that. Um, yeah. But you know that I don't, I don't mind that, but like, I don't want, I don't like, like our, our tool rack we have in the studio there uh, behind Phil, you know, we have some shelves and stuff. I can't do that in my shop. I just can't. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've actually noticed that I have some stuff out at the, at my, in my lathe corner. Um, I have three magnetic strips on the wall with like Chuck jaws hanging from them and stuff. Um, and over there, it's more of a practical thing is shavings get all over stuff. So then I'm like digging through shavings to figure out where stuff is. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm going more, um, I'm going more like cabinets, drawers. Um, I bought a large box of label holders. Okay. Um, like kind of antique looking label holders that I'm gonna put on the front of all my drawers so I know what's in them. And I think I mentioned that because when I helped my uh my uh friend Lorraine clean out her husband Mark's stuff, that's one thing I said was interesting walking in the shop everything was labeled so you knew where everything was because it all had a label on it and it what what it was on the label what was on the label is what was in the drawer which i'm like that's impressive i'm gonna try to do it yeah we've talked about uh watching adam savage's videos and he hand labels all of his drawers and i'm trying to decide if i like that idea or not because part of me sees all the words everywhere 
as being a visual clutter in themselves, even though it's for a higher purpose. So I'm trying, you know, like, does that, because I think about it on my hardware drawer, because I know for the most part where stuff is on the hardware drawer, but there's still times where you're like pulling out, trying to remember where, you know, where the, mm -hmm. where the cut nails are compared to, you know, machine nuts and screws and stuff are. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that kind of stuff to be thinking about as you get started for maybe some time off during the Christmas New Year's area to do some shop cleanup, maybe escape from too many family and friend commitments or to watch bowl games or wherever. So if you have any thoughts on organizing, storing, and uh, setting up your shop, we want to hear about it. You can send us an email at woodsmith at woodsmith.com or put it in the comment section on our YouTube channel where you can check out a variety of other uh, woodworking videos and ideas that we have there on shop carts and storage organization ideas. Uh, special thanks to Woodline Router Bits. They are sponsors of today's episode and have a wide range of not only router bits and shaper cutters, but bits and blades and jigs for all your woodworking tools. So you want to check that out at woodline.com. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.